already hear crickets from my my mic i think so we I have crickets ice. coming from we have crickets coming from, from all directions us? yeah nice. and occasional airplanes oh uh angel my name is ag oh my god i've been i've never been in bodega nights in a long time yeah i, th- I think i said that the last time i was in bodega nights <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be my thing like every time oh I haven't been in Bodega Nights in a long time. Even though you, Either way. Like, like, even if you're on Bodega Nights every single time we release a Bodega Nights, like, I haven't been on Bodega Nights in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, uh, is art an acquired taste? <laughs> oh, we're going to go there. <laughs> well, that's not. I'm, I've been trying to write about my, my application all day, <laughs> justifying... <laughs> That I could be possibly accepted to it, like I'm pretty sure I'm against people with PhDs and MFAs in photography. Like my only, my only plus is that I'm from the Philippines, and I need this more than other people. <laughs> like we don't get education like that here or experiences like that here. So pretty please, like <laughs> that's pretty much the gist of my application. <laughs> well. Here's to hoping. Here's to hoping. So we're not we're not gonna talk about oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> okay. okay. Hold on, because like uh, there were there were a couple of like really tough questions that have been kind of bugging me the past like week or two. One of them Let was me that. Go. something classic Zhao way of just um, manipulating my the conversation. Towards the point, <laughs> there was the um, uh, oh, there, there was something that was written on the bathroom in school, like graffiti or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was, um, what if the cure for cancer is trapped inside the head of somebody that can't afford an education? Mm-hmm. And the first thing that popped into my head when I saw that was evaluate the statement using the theories of knowledge we learned over the past semester and explain with philosophical depth and rigor. And rigor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that classic line that strikes fear into the hearts of the phil- uh, philosophically inept. <laughs> or people that just didn't study for Eric's class. <laughs> <laughs> Again, philosophically inept. <laughs> Because if you studied for his class, uh, you will have an idea. Yeah, dude. So, so that question was kind of bugging me for you know the past week. What if the cure for cancer is trapped inside the head of somebody that can't afford an education? But that assumes that the cure for cancer or intelligence, knowledge for that matter, is held or is acquired when you are born. Not... Yeah through education, hard work, and other sociopolitical circumstances that will allow a person to have the opportunities to solve cancer. Yeah, so that was, that's, that's the thing that was like... So this is very, uh, this is very Socratic. Like, there's a very Socratic assumption here that everybody has the answer. It's just that somebody has to ask the right questions. 
Um, but then if you go if you go down that path, then oh yeah, if you go down that path, the problem is that everybody has somewhere in their heads the cure for cancer. Then the thing is, it Indeed. is then, the, then there's that other thing about it uh, about sort of all knowledge being a priori or a priori. And it's just a matter of drawing it out. And each person has like a different set of possible knowledge from, like you said, the moment they're born, mm-hmm. which is also really problematic in its sort of deterministic outlook on humanity. But then the, yeah. the, but then the flip side of that is um, that if you can't afford an education sucks to be you <laughs> which doesn't sit well with me either yeah uh it doesn't of course it's and it's weird that the depravity of education but that shouldn't be an excuse if you can't afford an education like i'm not gonna do anything because i can't afford education that, that shouldn't be the case uh, especially these days with the collective intelligence of the human beings are what do you call this a phone away like a few touches away yeah so yeah i guess my point is i think it's too extreme to assume that cancer can only be solved by making more human beings <laughs> and making sure each human being is educated because i've always believed that if humanity can put all their focus and resource solving one thing at a time we can pretty much fix everything it's just gonna take a really long time it's just going to take a really long time. It depends. Because uh, this is an extreme example. Say we remove or we convert all the expenses in, say, say not being trying to political here, say all the military expenses of everyone on planet Earth, including terrorists, uh, including bandits and thieves and whatever, all that budget and that money, and let's use that as funding, as research for cancer. We are going to find a cure for cancer. Or be easily conquered by aliens, because nobody has guns. (laughs) Well, yeah, but... (laughs) Yeah. so, so, So we find a cure for cancer, but everything else necessarily suffers. No, that's why you have... Once we find a cure... And once we find a cure for cancer, that's when we start dealing with the urban decay. <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's when we like decide to start cleaning our windows and like making sure that the roads don't have potholes in them anymore. <laughs> no, not I mean that's why it's just the military expenses. And and that's always the tricky thing. And that's why when I was in college, like that's why I considered political economy as my like if if com didn't uh, IMC didn't pan out or humanities didn't pan out I'd go with Paul Echo huh. then yeah. <laughs> what no, I, I was just it's um I, there's actually like a scientific term I think I think they're called wicked problems like these really big problems that don't really have a clear cut solution that have all sorts of using a term from Linux dependencies yeah you know? Like, the actual term one... is wicked problems, which is funny what? since my brother is here from Boston. <laughs> but... 
Ah, but <laughs> wicked. That's uh, a wicked problem. My problem, no, it's not a problem. My thing with it is that big problems will often require somebody to do like a drastic, not a drastic decision, a hard decision. My favorite example is Thatcher. When we're very Brexity the past few recordings. <laughs> with Thatcher, when like people are saying Thatcher effed up the kids. Yeah. But her decision was cut their food or cut their education. Rather cut their food because it's important for them to be educated. So the solution to wicked problems is tyranny? No, the solution to wicked problems is hoping for the best. <laughs> like hoping that the decision you made is the one that's actually correct. Because you're the one who has to live with it. And I always, I always had this like very romantic notion that um, the biggest problems of the world would only be solved if people just all sort of did the right thing, you know? But and, by sheer nature of conflict. Yeah, yeah. But then it, 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 it's, um, it's a classic sort of problem that we have with Philippine politics. Um, we, we as a people look to our government as a sort of... Well, we're very... Uh, we, we still have this very, like, caste sort of system, right? It's still mm-hmm. very... It's still very medieval like that. It's very... Uh, we're, we're, we're a bunch of freaking mendicants in this country. We ask the <laughs> government to, like, help us with whatever. You the know? most minute things. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it sort of... It's, it's that thing about how do, we, how do we expect to stop corruption when each and every day we try to get away with breaking traffic laws? Mm-hmm. Right? Where if, um, where if we have this sort of grassroots sort of everybody is going to be a better human being, then maybe we can affect change in like a better government because the government is a government for the people by the people. If you have a government, what does that say about the people that elected the government? No, of course. No, but what you have to consider first is the motivation for being good. Is the motivation coming out of fear? Is the motivation coming out of, say, good in the terms of Judeo-Christian tradition? Or good in... Or I'm thinking too relativist. I think I'm thinking too relativist here. Well, it's, there, is a, there is that... If, if, if we go by, and I know that there is a lot of there are a lot of problems with natural law theory, but if we go by the idea that um, everybody sort of has the same baseline for what goodness is, then, mm-hmm. you know, if everybody just sort of did that. Yeah, then everybody has fundamental grasp of what is good and what is evil. Basic natural law. Mm. Yeah. But then again, like, a lot of a lot of those assumptions are very problematic, and not just problematic. It doesn't take into account the little nuances mm. of of the lack of resources. Again, going back to that, of motivations of uh, human emotions, because each individual human being 
experiences emotions in a different manner. Some need to post spoilers on Facebook. Some <laughs> tell them on their friends. <laughs> like, we, we all process or deal with things in different manner. And yeah. for me, it's absolutely brilliant. That, what make, that is what makes human beings so human. Because we are all individuals and at the same time, we need that capacity for f- expression, uh, the need to express so, our, our emotions. So it looks like, again, that the solution to the world's wicked problems is tyranny and hope that the tyrant makes the right choice. <laughs> because that doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> of course. Of course. Doesn't, it, when, when it phrased that way, it, of course, doesn't sit well. But you could always say, do good and hope for the best. Yeah, but then who is supposed to do good? Yeah, that's the problem I was putting earlier. Who's to say what good is? Before that, who is to do the good? Oh, of course, human the, beings. The individual citizen. Mm-hmm. Now, if the individual... And, and that's... And, and, and that is how I... That, that is going back to like this idealistic view that I have. That, that is the solution to the wicked problems. Like everybody just buckles down and is a good human being. <laughs> hmm. Mine in other words, like, doesn't take into account disease and tragedy. Uh, disease and uh, what insurance policies call acts of God. <laughs> ah, now we're going to talk about the problem of evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If God is all good and all loving, then why is there evil in the world? <laughs> and we always <sighs> operate, well, I, I for one operate in the Judeo-Christian belief. Yeah. Oh, either way. No, although watching Game of Thrones led, uh, somewhat leads me to believe that, um, what do you call this? Even for all its nihilism, the viewers are looking at their favorite characters achieving great things this season, very positive things, you see, and they take it as a sign that, like, people are taking. I take it as a sign that even with all the nihilism, we still believe that something might good come out of it. Hmm. So, and and there's like a Judeo-Christian tradition is that, or is it Augustine? I think. The primary mover, I'm good. If that's the term, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. <laughs> Maybe later. That's, that's the Augustine line. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, that, that was Augustine, I think. I don't yeah. Know. In well, other news, a, Aquinas, well, not well, Augustine. Anyway. That was that was Augustine. I know Aquinas fairly well. Oh, okay. Because What's Aquinas, Aquinas was a lawyer. Aquinas was. Um... Aquinas wrote about everything, man. <laughs> he was like, he was like the Aristotle of his day in a lot of ways. Aristotelian apologist, right? Uh, yeah. He he had a lot of he had a lot of Aristotelian like elements in his philosophy, but um, he was he was Aristotelian in the sense that he wrote a lot about everything. Oh, so. Like natural law theory comes from Aquinas, right? Law is an ordinance of reason for the common good promulgated by competent authority. Um, 
he was also the dude that came up with that proof, the the proofs of God. Um, there you go. That's what I'm looking for: the proofs of God. But then there was also, uh, but then he also like wrote extensively about. Uh, I already, I already mentioned he wrote a lot about like the law. So, yeah, he was a dude that wrote a lot about a lot. In the same <laughs> way that Aristotle was a dude that wrote a lot about a lot. Right? Like, you look at the work of Aristotle, it's like, huh, metaphysics. And then you have um, his, his views on art. Like, okay. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> then you have his views on the natural sciences. So, like, you know. They were really writing their lives off, right? They're, they were writing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Because what is there to do? <laughs> he didn't have Netflix. <laughs> oh, but that, uh, or Steam sales. <laughs> they do have Steam. A lot of it had to do with, I, I, I would think, that a lot of it had to do with, um, say, say, like the brilliance of guys like Da Vinci, for example, who was another dude that wrote a lot about everything. <laughs> Um, he likes to paint. <laughs> yeah, and invent helicopters, apparently. Um, <laughs> and there's that weird cannon that he invented. Uh, like, a lot of it, I would think, also had to do with um, how limited, or how, how much discovery there was left to do that a single person could discover. Get get what I mean? Like, you see, so, so going to, like, say, like a Newton, right? You come up with freaking calculus. That can be done by, like, one dude. <laughs> but good luck having one dude come up with the Higgs boson particle. Uh, yeah. The thing is, as more discoveries happen, newer things will occur or will be recognized by yeah. humanity. Yeah, but, like, I, I think... Um, that a lot of the older like discoveries and stuff are things that could have been done by one person, whereas now you kind of need entire teams to come up oh, with yeah. any sort of meaningful scientific discovery. You know, so if you look at like the Nobel prizes and stuff, like lately they've all been teams of people that did stuff, whereas back in the day you could sort of do one thing or you could sort of yeah discover one thing while doing a lot of other things because there isn't as much to study i don't think i don't think it's not much to study i think now it's because a lot of people are intelligent so So you give it to a group and you pull your intelligence together to discover it faster and better Hmm. because i'm looking at it at this way before all the resources, the libraries, the education, they only have access of that in Europe. Now, a developed country has its own university. It has its own center of knowledge. Wait, so uh, mean educated? Because I don't think that... Um, because I, I don't think that intelligence... Oh, yeah, fine. Educated. And education are... Corollary to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, educated. Yeah, education brings out intelligence. Yeah, that's the term. 
so it's education, like access to access to knowledge, and the circumstances as well. They are an environment that fosters those types of things. Uh, they have patrons. Some of the the thinkers that we've said earlier, who wrote speaking a lot of, of things. Speaking <laughs> of patrons, uh, head over to Patreon.com/channel14 <laughs> help us unstuck. <laughs> so that we can say more a lot of things. And hopefully with the collective intelligence that we all have, we'll come out with new solutions like how to play uh, Chinatown in a more intense manner. You're familiar with Chinatown, right? That board yeah. game? Yeah. We came up with government mode. Okay, go on. So we add... Here's, this, here's how government mode happens. Because um, Chinatown is ideally an odd... Uh, even player, even number of players, always like um, minimum of three, then four, five, six, but uh, three, four. I think up to six players maximum, five players maximum. But it's okay. better if it's just if if you team up with another person, make a corporation, and then there's the government. The role of the government is they're the ones who distribute the land and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they're the ones who distribute the land and allocate the business. It's very socialist, actually. But it's, it ends up becoming capitalist. Anyway, so every turn, the government sets a price for the business that they sold to you for free. Like, you could sell it back to the government at this price. Okay. Then every turn, it increases. Like, the first two turns, it's 10000 uh, Third turn, 20000 Fourth turn, 20,000. Fifth turn, uh, it's 30. And at the last turn, the government won't buy anymore. Mm. And here's the thing. The land allocated to you, since there's a discard pile, right? You can give it back to the government, and the government will open the land for bidding. (laughs) Now you see how it plays in the entire dynamic of Chinatown. That just sort of screws everything up, dude. It doesn't screw everything up. It makes it a lot more intense. Screw the government. <laughs> we no, I mean this intensity. What happened was one round became three hours. <laughs> but we were all enjoying our, our our collective wits off. Because we were all negotiating, wheeling and dealing. And now you have to deal with the government. <laughs> you know who the government was? John? Yes. <laughs> Well, if John was the government, he should have just like done nothing, being the gun <laughs> no, libertarian that he wants that's, to be. That's the thing about it. He wasn't doing anything. So you're like, what? But, hmm. Should we take the risk? Shouldn't we? And what we did was not, it was not loud bidding. It was silent bids. <laughs> <laughs> and the stakes of the wheeling and dealing are higher. So I actually went off my way to like, we rip pieces of paper for the silent bids. I use those pieces of paper to draft contracts mm-hmm. <laughs> to the other players for some of the promises mm-hmm. and the dealings. That's why it became a three-hour game. <laughs> but I had so much freaking fun. Like, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. And it's great if there's even number, oh, odd number of players. One would be the government. More of really just a moderator or like G- game at GM. Right. Hmm. <laughs> that's the fun. That's because the normal mode is already like 
conducive to wheeling and dealing. But now you have the element of the government where you can maximize your money more since they buy the businesses and the land. <laughs> Excuse me. Businesses and land that you wouldn't use. It's kind of fun. Uh, yes. So the government gets to exercise the power of... Eminent domain. <laughs> eminent domain, yeah. <laughs> and you eventually have GOCCs and stuff. That's the next option that we want to add for the government. But like, let's play test first this mode where government is in, can not really interfere. They're the ones distributing land and business. Because the next mode that Norm was proposing is GOCCs. <laughs> and then the players can buy the GOCCs. Yeah, so you have like a privatization of... Yeah. You have Philippine Airlines, basically. Yeah, because the aim, the, the government has no aim. Right in that scenario, the scenario I was talking about earlier, the government has no aim. But if the government owns its own businesses that it could sell, the aim of the government is for everybody to maximize profit. Right. If it has GOCCs, of course, and then selling it privately. But oh, to the well, to the people that aren't from the Philippines or the people that don't know, GOCCs are government-owned and controlled corporations, which is probably a joy to hear from libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, public utilities and stuff are GOCCs. Uh, yeah. Philippine Airlines, at one point, had significant government investment in it. Mm. That sort of thing. No, I'm familiar with any other GOCCs. Like, on top Concord. of mine. Yeah, or gambling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, some of the social security that we have. Yeah, pag-ibig. No, so, yeah. uh, consider corporations. Huh? Oh, because they're technically insurance. Yeah, and well, what what is a corporation, right? Corporations are yeah, uh, yeah. entity something something. Yeah, uh, created by legal fiction. Yeah, to have <laughs> shareholders. Sorry, I find it funny that it's called legal fiction. Like, <laughs> written by George R. R. Martin. Sorry, <laughs> all legal fiction. Um, my cousin has this book out called Supreme Ambitions, which hmm. is about like. A lawyer, and it's a piece of fiction. (laughs) I find your lack of segue disturbing. (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, Star Wars. I'm reconsidering my stance. Like, I was not happy with Star Wars. Uh Then upon reflection, it's not that bad. (laughs) Well, my stance still hasn't changed. It's exactly the movie that it needed to be. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I, I have the impression that, oh my god, this is awful. Why, why is uh-huh. this happening? Uh, just a few moments here and there, but you know what? I'll let it be. And you know what? It's a movie. <laughs> That's it. Why do I need to waste energies on this? Am I being too cynical or like, I'm just, is, am I? I don't know. Not cynical, but like, very nonchalant, starting to be nonchalant about things. But hey, that's anyway, good. why? That's, that's good because adult. Know, it, it 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 is just a movie, you know. If people like it, cool. If people don't like it, cool. But <laughs> you know that, that, that's why, like my my take on Star Wars is, you know, it's it's cool. It's just it's it's cool. It's it's the movie that it needed to be at the right time because apparently the previous trilogy wasn't that good, so we needed something to just sort of. Cleanse the palate. 
Yeah, cleanse the palate, and that's exactly Remind what this was. Remind us of why it was good in the first place. Yeah, and you know, it it was objectively a solid film. I mean, you know, it wasn't a masterpiece of cinema, but it wasn't The Room. You know? Oh, The Room is awesome. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't something mediocre. I guess I guess you can say the room was the type of movie that sort of circled back from the it's so bad it became really good yeah sort of thing so, so let's just say just, it isn't um it isn't Leprechaun three or whatever that movie was yeah it wasn't something like forgettable and mediocre and what the hell is this like it wasn't something like that because at least there's the the positive thing about the room is we could just laugh about it yeah um. You know, I'm having a I'm having a, a hard time, like off the top of my head, thinking about or finding films that are just not good. Finding films that are not good, or like films that are bad, but then are just bad enough such that they're not. It's so bad, it's good. You know, uh, Geely. <laughs> it's like a go-to for other people. <laughs> I would. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I haven't seen it, so I can't pass judgment. Hmm. Green Lantern. Ah, yeah. Daredevil. <laughs> Daredevil. But there, were, there was... Well, okay, fine. I was going to say there were laughable moments in Daredevil. But then I realized I'm laughing because what you did is ridiculous. Not because it was, also, it was funny. Yeah. Because, like, I, I will argue... I will argue that those Batman movies... Uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin were, they were so made bad with it's good. Yeah, they were made with Gitch in mind. Yeah, it, it, it was a. Uh, it, it wasn't, and it's so intentionally Kitsch when I look at it. Yeah, like especially uh, the one with Arnold and whatnot, Batman and Robin. Good God, that was just Kitsch Festival 2018. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh. We've had this conversation on one of the podcasts before. Oh, it uh, has come to that point now on our go- ongoing third year that we are now recycling conversations. <laughs> yes. Um, how, like, I'm kind of tired of dark and brooding Batman. It's, you know. Um, the uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. Like, a lot of people that are a fan of the Frank Miller conception of Batman really hate that show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because I love it. Because he's smiley and positive. Yeah, and it's really campy. And you have like Aquaman who says stuff like, oh, amazing, or whatever it was that he says. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, and it's, it's a non-dark and brooding take on Batman. And I love it. <laughs> It was very break the fourth wall. Um, it featured a lot of Batmite. <laughs> no, uh, same way I love the presentation of Ultimate Spider-Man, is it? Where Spider-Man becomes Chibi, a Chibi Spider-Man. I would I haven't watched it. Okay, I think Ultimate Spider-Man, where where he and other like other villains become Chibi Spider-Man from time to time. <laughs> Like chibi versions of themselves, yeah. So because it's just a different take. But then, say with Spider-Man, for example, 
I'm, I'm, I'm speaking specifically about Batman here. Because with Spider-Man, uh, he's always kind of been very light. Yeah, but the presentation of that did not focus on Peter Parker. Okay. It was just about Spider-Man. But yeah, I've always... Under, like, it's more extreme with Batman because it's always... Burr, 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 my parents are dead. Oh, my kid, I'm going to be Batman. Burr, uh, responsibility, burdens, burr, burr, burr. So it's kind of unusual to see a laughing Batman. What? <laughs> I mean, it's, burr, burr, burr. I, I haven't heard you say that in a while. And it's, it's like you don't care anymore because there was a time when you had a lot more growliness whenever you went, burr, 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 burr. but now you're just like, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> now I'm going to change the... Our Telegram chat to burr, 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 burr. <laughs> then put some emojis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Batman. <laughs> what should be? But yeah, but Batman. Hmm? Yeah, there, you know, like Batman should be a little less burr, 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 and a little more hero, at least yeah. in my mind. No, I mean, it's nice to bring back Batman to a notch higher. That, I'm not saying I know the classic Batman of who's this guy? Adam is West. Like, Adam West is I know is lower. It's not a vertical scale. It's a horizontal scale. Like a notch to the right towards less zany but still heroic, but not super. Burr, 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 the city and it needs me and I could take it. Yeah. Yeah. So like as um. But then at the same time, Scott Snyder's run on Batman was amazing, and that was very Dark Knight. I mean, so we I could allow, yeah, we could allow our comic book characters to take on different identities, or to take on different personas. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's the, uh, I guess that's the bottom line. And <laughs> that's thing about Cole didn't say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess it's like a mood thing as well, right? Cause it Brave is, in the it bold, is, I guess. Brave and the Bold, I watched at a time that, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was at one of those existential crisis points in my life. Oh, yeah. Towards the I end know. of college. Like, yeah. No, because for me, you know my existential crisis show what was, right? Scrubs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it Which was... Time? For me, it was Batman, Brave and the Bold, and M.A.S.H. Yeah, M.A.S.H., because you watched the crap out of M.A.S.H. It was because of M.A.S.H. I was like, oh, I got to learn how to juggle. <laughs> it was like that one episode where... Um, uh, God, I, I, it was the episode that had that line about uh, without, without love, what are we, I think? Or there, there was this one thing about uh, where where Hawkeye talks about the value of a human body, like just purely on the minerals and water and stuff that you can extract. And yeah, the water, the minerals, and the like different nutrients. Yeah, and he was um, he was like juggling while he was talking about while that. saying that. Yeah, it was, I think it was that episode. He said something really insightful yeah, about like, juggling. Yeah, he showed it to me. And 
Yeah, because like the reason he could do the he could juggle and talk at the same time was because of the amazing feat that is the human body or something. Yeah, so what is that? that like, effect. like, okay, I'm gonna learn how to juggle now. <laughs> Never got past three balls, but whatever. So three balls. <laughs> the bare minimum. Yeah, Scrubs uh, was my identity quarter life. Well, my quarter life crisis show is Third World well, Scrubs and its offshoots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Is it? I guess so. <laughs> oh, he did change it to Burr Burr Burr. Yeah, and to make it barbarian theme, put the emoji sword emoji and. Shield emoji. <laughs> burr, burr, burr. Burr, burr, burr. Arr. 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 Change it to R. We're going to bring that thing that we used to do on, on the Facebook chat or Telegram chat where we use the chat title as conversation. <laughs> That'd be cool. That's where we actually chat. Hmm. I'm willing to do that just to see Norm's reaction. Sam's <laughs> like, guys, why, guys, why? See, when everybody's like awake, when everybody's awake, though, like later today. Yeah. The nice thing about this is everyone's gonna be surprised. Like, what the hell happened? Mark's just gonna go with it. You guys, as he always does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is a pirate's favorite letter? You're wrong. The pirate's first love is the sea. Well, <laughs> 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 shit. <laughs> <laughs>